Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hall of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a GDP Minute, guys. You know the deal. If you get any sort of value from this episode, please, please, I mean, you learned something, something new, whatever. Um, you laugh, you cry. Share with a friend, please. That's all I'm asking. Grow super organically and uh, hustling, man. Working hard. Now, you guys, I just had an episode with AJ Nwosu. Now, truthfully, for the time being, unless I think it's going to be super beneficial, I am kind of done, at least for a week or so, running these on Zoom. Because I don't feel anymore that Zoom conversations really facilitate relationships and it's just very robotic. I was talking about this with Jack. Like, there's no improv involved. There's question, answer, question, answer. I just think it will be much more entertaining in person. So we're in a little bit of a shifting period here. I just want to let you know that's where I'm at in terms of Zoom. And um, I would like to bring this back in a person, meet people in person, have an experience with person, give you guys real thoughtful conversation in person, you know, pro- have high production value. And you guys know, I think we can take on Kimball and Fallon with this show. I do. I think we can have a really prominent late-night type structured show. Anyway, I had AJ Nwosu on the episode. And uh, AJ, as he was just saying, is following the GSD model, the get stuff done, get shit done model. And he's the CEO of TechBall. I'll be honest with you guys. Back in the day, about two months ago, when I was figuring out this LA shift, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll help these people throw events. And so I got in contact with this company, TechBall. They are throwing these like pop-up events on Santa Monica. And essentially TechBall is, it's like ping pong with your feet, essentially. And I met AJ on the Zoom, talked back and forth. I was like, nah, I don't think it's a good fit for me, man. I'm trying to like really get activated in LA. But anyway, good to meet you. We'll run a podcast. So we ran a podcast. He was in business mode. He was trying to get shit done. Clearly, clearly a very driven guy smart guy, and um, as most people are who run companies, very alpha. But he talked a lot about his upbringing, how he uh, prioritizes his days, etc. And he's just, from what I gathered, he's just all business, man. Just trying to get stuff done. And uh, I enjoyed it. Let me tell you guys about TechBall a little bit. It's like a it's just like a new booming sport. He's trying to make it an Olympic sport. I think some people have tried it. And um, it's a, a company in its infancy stage in the U.S. So it, it's a cool conversation. I'm looking forward to seeing where tech ball goes in the next year, two, three years. Um, because it's grown fast. And uh, essentially it's growing at the same rate I believe lacrosse was growing. I'm actually kind of just pulling that out of my ass. But it's a it's fast growing. People really are gravitating towards the sport, so this should be fun. Um, anyway, this is AJ Nwos, who's Golden Hour. Hope you guys enjoyed me in big business mode, and uh, hopefully, I can get back into comedy mode soon. All love, enjoy. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter. Just you forgot to enter. Hi. Uh, AJ Nuosu here. This is my golden hour. Boom, we're caught in the simulation just like that. Now, before we move on, in the one 
to 15 seconds when you were standing up, I was trying to make out what was around your neck in the photo behind you. Is it a camera? It's a camera. Okay, it's a camera. Where are you a big photography guy? Uh, yeah, you could say so. What do you shoot on? Uh, Canon T6. T6i? Rebel? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I started with the T5 and they bumped up the old T6. Have you ever done a, a, an A7 II? No, I haven't. Really good in low light, but I like the, the Canons more so than the Sonys because they just don't overheat in video mode as much. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. But yeah, I, I should have made the assertion there because you have like perfectly symmetrical photos behind you. and Yeah. You definitely have an eye for it, man. Uh, yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Sure, absolutely. Now, before we get rocking and rolling, just for anyone who tunes into this, can you give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Sure, absolutely. Uh, AJ Nuosu, I am CEO and president for uh, TechPool in the USA. Okay, cool. Now, AJ and I were supposed to run this a couple of days ago, but essentially I miscommunicated. But AJ was in the thick of problem solving. And so I think what I try my best to do is whenever I have a CEO or a president on, I really like to debunk what a day-to-day is like in running a dynamic company. So can you kind of give us a dive in of what, without giving too much away, what that specific issue was and how you handled it? Yeah, sure. It's it's more of a payroll uh, finance issue, which I'm not going to bore you with the nuances of it, but essentially, um, obviously, we have offices across the world. And when you cross the chasms of time zones, uh, it becomes somewhat complex, Um, obviously, uh, when you're wiring funds to to different different parts of the world, so it was more so uh, dealing with the complexities of that. So yeah. Now, when you entered the CEO role for TechBall, what was your what did you feel like your strong suit was across marketing, management, accounting, and finance? Like, what were you the best at? What were you the worst at? I mean, if I'm honest, the biggest thing, what, what I am very good at is um, getting stuff done, right? Um, and I call it GSD, just get stuff done. And um, the, the biggest thing for me is um, obviously that you're going to run into challenges. Challenges are a part of everything. Um, I'm a big believer in execution versus strategy. I believe there's a great delta um, in this world between a lot of people over strategizing and using that as an excuse for non-execution. And for me, I believe I get the A-B testing I need and move quicker uh, just by executing and then making mistakes and then uh, obviously learning from those, which gives me the, the, the litmus test I need to kind of accelerate in that inertia and rocket fuel. So, so are you the type of guy who reverse engineers most of your goals? Exactly. Yes. You could say that. Yeah. So give me like a foundation of what that looks like for you right now. Like what's that like a six month goal and how are you reverse engineering it? Well, uh, I'll give you one, uh, you know, um, Connor, there's a, a vast depth and uh, gap between ideation and execution. Right. And the middle of that gap is called inspiration and enthusiasm and both are perishable. And that is where a lot of people fall short. And I think if you look at the the, the length of the next six to nine months and, and what I call sprint, 
Um, the biggest thing for us is more so executing and hyperbolizing our reach here in the U.S., not only on a collegiate level, but on a um, more grassroots level as well, right? And we're doing that via many different cadences. And uh, on top of that, we're launching a brand new web shop um, with um, obviously with uh, our tech ball merchandise, which is coming into play and fruition, which will be the next step into us having permission to kind of, as a brand to kind of dive into other areas within um, within our ecosystem. Um, so outside of that, when I when I when I look at the next six months, a big calling for myself is scaling our organization here in the U.S. level. By scaling, I mean hiring, which is a challenge in itself in today's ecosystem. But the same token, um, accelerating our collegiate reach whilst also accelerating our um, our, uh, our our growth on a grassroots uh, perspective with events and, and different things we're doing, guerrilla marketing and, and other other tactics we have in place. So in terms of reverse engineering that goal, accelerating your growth on the collegiate level, is there like a number of certain units you want to sell? Is that how it works for you? Or is it just like, I want more brand awareness? How do you assess those goals? Yeah, you know, uh, metrics are metrics. And I, I think you can sort of, um, everything's, uh, you can measure things in different ways, right? But the biggest thing for us is how do we get tech ball to be uh, a recognized collegiate sport? And if I reverse engineered that um, and kind of um, put myself in, in, in that role of how to make it happen, it's more so the recognition at that level, the collegiate campus level of tech ball as um, being integrated into the community in college campuses across the US. And how do we do that? By running events at college campuses across the US, um, by running large substantial scale events and, and, and putting prize money pools and, and doing different things. And so um, we start with the intramural side of things at the collegiate level. And then from there, sort of branch out. Um, also, at the, it, we're lucky enough that TechBall already has an audience that exists of two billion people who are soccer fans across the world, because TechBall is a byproduct of soccer. Um, so from that component, it's more so tapping into those fans and making them aware. Hey, here's another sport that you can play, which is um, obviously. <clears throat> basically uh, an integration into soccer. And um, at the same token, you can have just as much fun, non-contact, gender neutral, um, social distancing, ticks all the boxes. And um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So you've been on a, a worldwide tour here, pitching your life away and making people believe in tech ball. But who was it specifically and when was it where you had the epiphany? Like, you know what? I think I could make this thing pretty big. Like, how did you start believing in the sport specifically? I think the, the biggest thing about me is um, I love a challenge. And um, obviously, I'm one of those people. If you tell me I can't do something, I'll do it twice and take pictures. And some frames behind me. But overall, um, the biggest thing for me is it was a legacy play. And that's what I saw in the great longitudinal, longitudinal journey in terms of uh, where, where we were going. Um, having the opportunity to kind of bring this aspiring sport from a grassroots perspective to uh, from a garage game to a global game was something that was a big enough challenge um, coming off the back end of my last um, uh, organization, um, which I made the jump to kind of obviously join Tech Ball. 
um, again, and then it's not every day you get to take a sport from infancy to the Olympic level. And so that's, um, that, that's kind of the biggest thing for, for me. So you want to be, you want to be that guy who blew it up. You want them to remember your name, man. You, you were that guy. Um, it's, it's, it's a team effort, uh, collectively. Right. And, um, but at the same time, our North star, um, I'm a big believer in, uh, cultural architects, right. Bringing people in who define the culture, um, that we're trying to build but the same token or recognizing that our North star is going towards that Olympic level. So. Now you got the big boss job, right? It's awesome. I think most guys in business aspire to be a CEO in some aspect or at least a high executive position, if that's like kind of what you want to rise. Is this kind of how you picture things going for yourself, like way back when, when you weren't even doing anything? Um, you know, it, it's um, it, it's one of those things that um, meant some people have the power of influence. If you have the power of influence, you find yourself into you find yourself put into a natural progressive role uh, where you you're accelerated into um, the position of leadership. And um, from from that perspective, when you ask me whether I pictured myself in this role, I did to a large degree um, because for me, I think I have the gift of influence, which is the ability to influence people to believe not only in what they don't know they're capable of and um and to make people feel i mean life's an inside game right it's how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself and so it's it's that inspiration i talked about earlier right there's a large gap between ideation and execution and uh, it's more so getting people to believe in themselves and then that they have the chops to execute so that's the biggest thing so when did you start to feel like you had the ability to influence people? Were you on the playground and like you're calling everyone over to the sandbox or? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is sports has uh, many different correlations with life, right? And um, you look at the leaders in sports and the transition from sports to business. Um, and that's why sports is such a, a beautiful, beautiful thing uh, in, in the space of life. Because again, at the same token, it's more so, okay, well, if, if you're naturally a good leader on the soccer field, the football field, the baseball field, the hockey, um, hockey arena, you're more than likely going to be a good leader in business because you take those same principles and apply them on a daily aspect, whether you're regimented and consistency, again, is the, is the ultimate drug that we're all looking for. If you do something consistently over the course of time, you will achieve results. Right, it's uh, the ten thousand hour rule. It's 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 uh, it goes on. I could go go on, but again, it's also the Darwinian mentality. Um, what I mean by that is survival of the fittest. Right, being able to brush off the negativity and going, okay, well, um, that that's something that it just comes with the territory, and you just move on. It doesn't bother you. I think from that perspective, that's where. Um, I found myself and that's, I would say, those are the abilities or the superpowers that have granted me to be in this, in this position and help to accelerate my career. So. Are you the type of guy who feeds off the dark side? Now, let me elaborate on what that means. I have met in my life over the course of, this is like my 303rd episode running this thing, that there are high performers who 
are incredibly driven by love and contentment and just positivity. And then there are some demons out there, man. There are some demons who, as sick as it is, backlash and negativity and criticism are their ultimate fuel. Do you feel like you're the latter? Yes, I would say, you know, um, uh, there's a, there's a quote I I'll use to define what you just mentioned. You know, there's a, there's a great Tony Robbins quote, which has always resonated with me. It says, if you want to take the Island, you have to burn your boat. Cause if, if there's a way back, the mind will get you there. Right. So it's all in or nothing. And I think from my perspective, when you talk about the dark side and, um, and I mean it in a good way. I know what you mean by that in context, in that frame of res- reference. Um, and, and that's sort of the way I think of everyday life. And that's the way I think of business, right? It's um, if you want to capture what you want, you just, you've got to be all in. Yeah, there's no doubt. And um, that's a way uh, I think that's, I've seen startups and businesses who have not created the best or the greatest technology, but just because of sheer will from the founder, they've over-indexed and reached the apex and succeeded um, just out of that quote I've just given you and sheer determination. And so um, that's something there that um, I I truly believe in, yeah. Like I'm ready to go to war, man. (laughs) I'm done with this, I'm gonna run through a couple walls. Uh, all right, let's peel it way back. So me and Lexi, the producer, she was really digging in on some research here. Now, we couldn't really nail where you're from initially. You bounce around a ton when you're growing up. Yeah, you know, um, I have the luxury of uh, living in three different continents. And I think that kind of is my peer view because um, I believe that um, travel is one of the most underrated things uh, in, in, in human beings that we should all do, um, but not and, and many people do it enough, right? I, I'm a big believer in being uncomfortable and not staying in one place. We weren't born to stay in one place. And so uh, if you look back at the tapestry of my life, I've um, sort of um, moved around and, and grown up in multiple different places, which has shaped who I am, but not only that, my identity. And um, at the same time, my perspective of other humans and life in general. Um, So if you're asking, I'll give you a narrative. Um, Originally from England, I grew up in the Middle East and uh, from there uh, moved here in my my adulthood uh, to the U.S. and uh, been in the U.S. now for the last uh, 15 years. What was the Middle East like? Um, it was an interesting place. I actually enjoyed it. I lived there for five years between the age of six and 11, which uh, if you take into account those ages, those are the ages that really shape you as, um, as far as um, just uh, your interest graph and, and, and your psyche overall. Um, and so I, I truly enjoyed it because I went to an international school with kids from all over the world, um, and which uh, most people don't get that luxury. Um, and so from, from that perspective, it's, uh, it's something there that I've always had uh, a decent affinity for, for the, for the, the Middle East. So, yeah. Can you speak Arab? No, I can't. I mean, one of my closest friends is Palestinian. And so I've been trying to pick up on it as much as possible with the dialect from English, like it's just 
so difficult. It's just, it's a completely different way of thinking the way they structure sentences, rephrase things, questions. Um, So were were you specifically, were you in Saudi Arabia? Yes. Yeah. I was in Saudi Arabia. Dude, that is crazy. Yeah. Have you been back? Um, No, I have not been back. I have been back to the Middle East. I've done Dubai, Qatar, and many other places, but Saudi Arabia, no, I haven't. So, no. Okay, so you shift out of Saudi Arabia, then do you go back to London or to the States? No, back to back to England. Yeah, Bristol was my hometown. Um, I often use the reference, uh, it's where Banksy is from, the artist. And so, yeah. Okay, now when, where do you get your feet wet first in the U.S.? Um, so lived in Kansas city for a couple of years. And then, uh, from there, Chicago, uh, LA is my third stop in my journey. Now, is it your favorite stop thus far? My favorite stop? Your favorite U S stop. Yeah. Um, you know what? That's a, such a complex question because I think, um, the biggest thing is what shapes you, right? Each stop has given me something different and added, uh, almost an antidote to my frame of reference, right? And uh, my physics of progress uh, as far as over the, over, the, over the course of time. And so um, I would say, I mean, LA, Sunshine, yes. You, most people would say it's their favorite. By the same token, um, I look at it as, um, as much as I enjoy LA, it's, it's, I'm here to do a job. Um, and, and get, get stuff done. So uh, Chicago was there for nine years. Um, again, that shaped me in general and uh, gave me a lot. And then uh, obviously Kansas was uh, for two years, which is a fairly short period. And um, again, that's, uh, I mean, being plucked out of England and then dropped in the middle of Kansas, it's, it doesn't happen every day. So it's a talk about a taste of middle America. Um, and so, yeah, that's, Interesting. I'm, dri- I'm driving through there in about four days and everyone, cause I'm going coast to coast to get out to LA and um, everyone says Kansas is the most boring state to drive through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. And Nebraska cornfields of opportunity. Yeah. It's there saying Nebraska is pretty tough too. Now really random, like from what I'm picking up, you're just incredibly, incredibly driven guy, incredibly type A. Has it been hard for you to develop friendships? Because Um, let me just give you an anecdote just so you don't feel like I'm throwing you in the water here. Like I, for the past five years, have been building this brand in Boston. Um, I know we only met briefly before this, but essentially it was always my North Star to make a movie in Boston, meet as many people here as possible, build this show up as big as possible. And I think one of my biggest regrets is I've been very blind to drive and I haven't nurtured relationships strong enough here. And some of my friendships have taken a hit from it. Have you had a similar experience? Um, You know what? Uh, I'm um, very particular about the circles I'm running a and B about the energy I have around me Um, because I, I, I'm a big believer and it's, it's, it's not rocket science that as human beings, you're affected by the power of influence, right. And, and the people around you. And so that's very important for my psyche. And, um, for, for me, when you, to give you a binary answer to that question, no, I haven't. Um, because I think, um, alphas recognize alphas in many ways. And if you look at the anthropology of the human makeup, I mean, we want to be happy, we want to be healthy and we want to be wealthy. 
right? And I'm a big believer you find your tribe in those three things wherever you go, right? And um, I think um, if you, uh, whether it's in LA and obviously everyone has their perspective of LA and um, what, what it's about and, and the ecosystem here and uh, real and not real and, 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 and everything else that comes with it. But uh, there's still authentic people here the same token and so i i'm a big believer you just find your tribe wherever you go so and um i'm often you'll find yourself that you attract what you believe in whoever you are is what you attract because you recognize those type of people so and they recognize you is the the healthy wealthy was healthy wealthy and happy is that an evolved ravikant poll sorry are you a Naval Ravikant fan? I am a Naval Ravikant. I think that's where I heard it from before. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just got his book for the trip across the country. Now, um, all right, all business talk. Give me a sales pitch for Tech Ball. Why would a like why should a 26-year-old white dude want to get into it and why should he be excited about it? Yeah, you know, um, TechBall is the great delivery from a garage sport in Eastern Europe to the rest of the world. And um, the biggest thing about TechBall, if you look at it on the actual table, not many people know that you can play five different sports on the table, right? You can play, TechBall is the one that's brought us to the world stage. It's the one that we hyperbolize the most, and it's the one that we're taking towards the Olympic status and recognition on the actual table you can play what we call uh, tech pong which is ping pong on a curved table you can play what we call techis which is tennis on a curved table you you can play what we call catch which is a three-person um game that's pretty cool and looks a lot like spike ball but um vastly different in terms of the rules and regulations and um yeah so from from that component the, the, the table is can be used for many different facets. And the sport itself is not ubiquitous. It's not found everywhere. And um, for, from that perspective, it's great for whether it's uh, your back garden on a college campus, on a park and playground, brings people together. Um, again, I mentioned obviously the Delta of the last two years where the world melted, it's, it's social distance and friendly. And um, again, it's non-contact and it's it's addictive it's fun and if you ever get a chance to play it it truly is addictive and that's where i saw the power in it and uh when i first played the sport myself um but overall uh the biggest thing is uh we have uh, pretty lofty goals as an organization to get the sport to uh the masses which is um for us is la 2028 uh our olympic vision and uh, from there, so onwards. Yeah, I think that's what I was going to say. I th so for reference, I had talked with AJ and his company about running events for them like a month and a half ago. And I think when I first researched, I thought that was the most compelling thing is like creating a new Olympic sport. It's just a huge, sick goal. Like it's I mean, you could really reinvent the Olympics and even getting a sport like this in the Olympics could also open up a door for other similar types of sports that you play in your backyard. Like, I mean, I don't think cornhole really is incredibly athletic like tech ball, but if you understand what I'm saying now, what is the process in 
getting an Olympic sport and making this Olympic sport. You, you just have to make it incredibly popular, right? Yeah, you know, there, there's uh, many different KPIs and um, I'm not going to go into the more granular or details or the microcosms of it, but I'll, I'll give you sort of the, the 30,000 foot view. And it really is, yes, um, the popularity of it is um, somewhat very important, uh, of course. And then at the same token, making sure it's accessible the same way that um, basketball, um, baseball, soccer is accessible on a global level, right? You have soccer fields, basketball courts, et cetera. Um, and, and then outside of that, um, making sure that we have national federations on a global uh, level. So some sort of regulation. Um, and, and we have all that in place right now. And so we feel very confident. We remain humble and at the same time, uh, continue to kind of do good work and, um, uh, it's one of those things that uh, we're now present in 125 countries on a global level as a sport, which is pretty remarkable if you think of it. And uh, you think of uh, the, 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 the length of the, or the delta of the last sort of seven, eight years now and where we've come from to where we are and what we've achieved. And so Tech Ball's played as an organized sport with different leagues, events, teams, et cetera, um, in, in, across the world. And so that's something the Olympic uh, Committee kind of look at in their assessment. And then on top of that, many other different KPIs um, and um, just from the sport, the enjoyment uh, from the masses, we skew towards not only the younger age group, but also the older age group as well. And uh, male, female, boy, girl, and uh, mum, dad, grandma, grandpa can all play it, and um, that's that's something that it's uh, I would say is uh, is unique about the sport. So. How do you personally unplug? Like, I feel like you probably say tech ball like ninety seven thousand times a day. So every time we're like, dude, just like shut up. I don't want to hear about tech ball for a little bit. <laughs> Uh, personally, on plug, I am um, running uh, a marathon here in a couple of weeks. Um, so that's kind of, I go on long runs. Um, I do yoga. Um, the conversation is about to change, brother. You don't know who you're talking to here, man. <laughs> what, what marathon are you doing? Uh, doing a Vancouver. Vancouver marathon. Yeah. And so when is that? Uh, May 1st. Okay, so you're tapering right now, yeah? Correct, 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 yeah. What, so. was, what was your peak long run? Oh, wow, uh, about 14, 14 miles. So, um, but the biggest thing for me is I stick a podcast on and that's escapism for me, right? Um, but even at that same time, it's constantly the, the minutiae of how, as, as an organization, how can I make us better? Right. And you're constantly thinking, how can you problem solve? How can you kind of accelerate what you're currently doing, create enough inertia? Um, but uh, while well, listening to a podcast and, and kind of just go from there. So, yeah. It's the best form and the closest thing someone who's hyperactive can get to meditation. Not even close. Uh, just for reference, so you know, I'm not just delusional. Like I started running at the, the top of COVID. And I felt the same way, just like it, it your brain will never really ever shut off from tech ball. Right? right. But it at least gives you a little bit of, it puts you in a different mental state for a little bit. So you're like, you know, what? I'm not always caught in the simulation. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
Okay. Yeah. Um, gr- great. Now, what sneakers are you running for the marathon? Hocus. The Clifton? Yeah. Nice. How are you liking those? Love those. Love those. Uh, you know, I've been through uh, um, Asics, Brooks, everything else, but Hocus are the best. You got to get some endorphin pros, the Sockneys. Have you tried them? No, I haven't. Oh, dude. I My mile time dropped by 30 seconds as soon as I put them on. Socks? Saucony Endorphin Pro. They're a Boston-based company. Oh, wow. Send me a link. Will do. I wish you the best of luck on that, man. You got your, you have your intro run nutrition all figured out. Mm-hmm. You that. got this. You're ready. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, man. Um, all right, great. Now tell me about, uh, just real quick about South by Southwest. I know you're on the run here, so I don't want to hold you for too long. Yeah, sure. I was at South by, uh, what, two and a half weeks ago. Um, really got to connect with some amazing humans. Uh, you know, it's the first time uh, since the world melted um, March 13th, 2020, that everyone got together again. And um, it's really, uh, it, it was almost like a, a homecoming, right? It's one of those things everyone's super excited to talk to another human. So uh, from a networking perspective and connection uh, perspective, it was uh, pretty, pretty remarkable and quite profound. Um, I, I love conferences such as those. There's an energy about it especially coming back now. There's an even bigger energy than there was before. Um, but again, got to kind of meet some, I would say, some C-suite execs and, and uh, uh, different people doing cool things in different industries, especially in the Web3 space and, and blockchain, et cetera. And, um, you know, South By has really morphed into this uh, dichotomy of um, not just art, music, sports, but also just uh, other components within it. And so, yeah, it was pretty cool. I was going to say, did you see the next Twitter there, next Facebook? <laughs> you never know, right? You can hedge your bets how you want. But again, uh, you always think the, the person you meet or the, the, the technology you just saw could be the next big thing. Again, you just never know. Have you considered how to get tech ball in the metaverse yet? Yes. Um, we have ideation. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. Tell me. Um, we have ideations around it. Um, again, it's, it's still, I think obviously this talk of the metaverse is still a long way away. As human beings, we have to be ready when we're ready, right? And you looked at uh, the, the crypto existed 10, 12 years ago, but we had to be ready as a time for everything. Um, NFTs has existed for quite some time and we just, we have to be ready. Even now we're still in the wild, wild west of it. And we're still so early that um, the rate of adoption, if you measure the rate of adoption of NFTs, everyone's talking about it. Yes, it's cool to talk about it, but at the same time, um, I think um, it's still a long way away. And so is the metaverse. I still think, I think what Facebook and Oculus and the rest of their team are doing is pretty remarkable. They're light years ahead, but we have to be ready as human beings uh, to adopt, adopt it. And if we're not ready, then it's still going to be like years. Do you know what I mean? It's still going to be far away. Um, so what you, all you can do is do your reps, right? It's like training for the Olympics. The Olympics is once every, what, four years. And, or, and uh, it's one of those things that like, yeah, you just do your reps and train every day, train every day until the big moment comes and then boom, you're ready. Um, that's kind of the way I look at it. So, 
Yeah. So like, will there be haptics with that? Like, will you feel the ball hitting your foot and then like, will you hear it bounce on the table? Yeah. You know, um, yes, because again, in, in today's ecosystem, you have couches that you sit on um, where if you're watching Batman, you can feel the whole sofa kind of move. So we're already trying to mimic that in reality. So doing that from a virtual component is not the hardest. I mean, if you have you've used an Oculus, I would assume, right? And um, and um, there, there's many different nuances within it, and that's where the future of gaming's going. And I think for us, um, I've explored it to a large degree, and um, I'll, I'll sort of leave that there, just based on conversations, NDAs, and other things going on. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, it seems like you got a billion dollar idea on your hands here, man. Um, all right. Well, hey, dude, I had, a, I had a good time. This was efficient. What did you say? Uh, GSD? Is that your model? Get stuff done. Yeah. The GSD model. All right. Love it. Um, thank you so much for doing this, man. There are three things we got to go over before we end. One, I'm, I'm going to say this once and I'm not going to repeat it. So listen super close. For post-production purposes, I need you to repeat these things. You have to say, hi, your name. AJ, and this is my golden hour, directly after no break in between, hi, your name, and that was my golden hour. Okay. We'll start with that. Hi, uh, AJ Nuosu here. This is my golden hour. Hi, AJ Nuosu here. This was my golden hour. It was about 88% effective. We'll take it though. We'll take it.